Welcome to Storygram Talk with Kristen and Bridget. This is a show designed to reach out to the Bookstagram community in order to educate, entertain, inform, and simply enjoy all things book-related. Hi, I'm Kristen from My Friends Are Fiction. And I'm Bridget from Dark Fairy Tales. Together we own Storygram. Thanks for joining us. Today we are talking with Annie Sullivan. She is the author of A Touch of Gold and Upcoming Tiger Queen. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. And to start off, we were, would you mind telling our listeners a little about each of your books? Yeah, so A Touch of Gold is a young adult kind of fairy tale retelling. It's about the cursed daughter of King Midas, who has magic gold powers and faces pirates and betrayers and thieves on her quest to get her father's gold back when it gets stolen. So there's Greek mythology and just kind of high seas adventure. It's it's a lot of fun. And then Tiger Queen is available for pre-order right now because it comes out September 10th. And it is about a warrior princess who fights suitors in an arena to win her right to rule. And it's actually a retelling of an infamous, and I say infamous for a reason, short story by Frank Richard Stockton called The Lady or the Tiger. And it's an infamous short story because it's taught in a lot of um, middle schools, high schools, and has a cliffhanger ending. So my whole goal with that book was to give it the ending it always should have had. That has bothered me for years that it didn't have an ending. So now it does. Oh, I love that. I have actually, until I read about it, I didn't, I had not read the short story. So now I want to go back and find it and read it because I've, I've read Tiger Queen. I loved it. And then now I need to read the short story. <laughs> it's a very short story. I mean, it's like a page and a half or something. Uh, very short. I'd never wow. even heard of it until I saw actually like Kristen was, or I think I thought in the synopsis of the book, that it was about that. And I was like, oh, I've never even heard of that, but I'm from Idaho. And I swear we we miss out on lots of things. I don't know at school. I'm like I swear they don't teach us anything. It's funny because actually um, for Tiger Queen, um, one of the people I dedicated it to is my middle school English teacher, who was the one who introduced me to that short story. Um, because obviously it made such a difference in my career, and ever since that day in class when she taught it, I have wanted to retell it and give it an ending. Oh, I love that. Did you contact her or anything to tell her she was? <laughs> Yes, surprise. Her husband knows, um, and she is going to be at the launch party, and I'm going to bring her up and maybe give her, like, a special bouquet of flowers or something to just say, like, this is what a difference an English teacher can make in, in someone's So I'm really excited. So I don't think she listens Cheers. to podcasts. No offense to you guys. Um, so I think we're safe to share that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> She's, she's a little bit older, so I don't think, you know, I mean, maybe she does. Maybe she's going to, like, find out beforehand. That would be kind of crazy, too. How many books had you written prior to being published? Honestly, it was kind of a weird way that it happened because Touch of Gold was actually the first book that I ever wrote. It was my master's thesis at Butler University when I got my master's degree in creative writing. But it wasn't actually the book that got me my agent. So it was like this weird sort of like swap of a different book got me my agent, but then that book didn't sell when we put it on submission. And then while that was on submission, we reworked A Touch of Gold and completely overhauled it, made it into what it is today. And then that book sold. But in the meantime, I had written like three or four other books. So I have a ton of books that I'm just like, anytime anyone wants to buy these, but publishing is just so, so slow. So maybe someday you'll see lots of books coming out from me, like one a year. That's kind of my goal, at least for now. I would love that. I know you've been yeah. working 
on a sequel to uh, A Touch of Gold. Is that correct? Yes, that one. I think I can now tell you that the title is going to be A Curse of Gold. And it will come out in August of 2020. So definitely stay tuned for that. There's going to be way more Greek mythology, a lot more adventure. And okay, this is kind of a secret, but it's my favorite character that I've ever probably written is going to be in this book. And he's kind of like my version of Captain Jack Sparrow. So he's got a sweat. So just be prepared for that. Yay. I love Captain Jack Sparrow. Okay, what is your writing style? Do you plan a lot ahead or sort of go with where the story takes you? I am a total pantster. I fly by the seat of my pants. And I think that's actually what makes it more fun for me is that I don't know what's going to happen when I'm writing. And so it's just kind of like all of a sudden these cool things will just start happening. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And that's what keeps me interested while I'm writing. And so I think if I'm interested while I'm writing, my reader will be interested while they're reading. So I try not to plan too much in advance. I might have a few what I call like signposts. Like I know we're going to go here, here, and here. But how we get there, I don't know. But I usually do know my ending. So I know where I'm going to end up. It's just not how I'm going to get there and where we're going to stop along the way and who we might even meet. For example, in A Touch of Gold, originally there's a character named Hetty and she isn't she's in the final but she wasn't supposed to go on this this amazing adventure that they go on but she kind of snuck her way on board literally so she was a really fun character to include and she wasn't one that I planned on having go on this adventure but there she was I love that besides writing an amazing book what is some advice you'd give to an upcoming author just stay with it that's always my like number one piece of advice because I think it's a very hard industry. It can be a very depressing industry. You're constantly being told, no, 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 you're not good enough, you know, all those kind of things. And so I think just stay with it. You know, like I just I just mentioned, it wasn't my first book that I wrote that got me my agent. So don't just focus on one book. Write another one and then another one. I know someone took them 10 books to get an agent. So the longer you stay with it, the better you're going to be. And I think that is my number one piece of advice because it's the people who stay with it the longest who eventually do get published. So just stay with it and be true to yourself. How long have you been writing? Ooh. I mean, I started out as a kid writing like fun little stories. Um, and I would do that thing with my friends where we would each start writing a story and then trade and finish each other's stories. So that was really fun. But I didn't become like a serious writer. I'm using my air quotes, serious writer, uh, until college when my parents were like, what are you going to do with your life? And I was like, I don't know. Um, math and science are not my strongest suits. So I was like, not that. I'm not going to do that. But I did. I became an English major. And then from there, I really got into the creative writing classes and I realized I do love to tell stories and that there are stories inside me that are just waiting to come out and no one else is going to tell them the way I want them to be told or the way that I would tell them. So that's kind of how I became a writer. So the editing process can be pretty brutal at times. Did you have to cut lines or scenes you wish you could have kept? Yes. (laughs) There is one that like still kind of hurts my heart a little bit, especially in its it's in a touch of gold and it was a magical element that was in there it was a magical balcony where i guess an enchanted balcony where anyone who stood on it if they told a lie the balcony would crumble beneath their feet and so it was attached to the palace so it was this really powerful tool for um kings and queens and all the royalty to use to say like hey if i'm standing on this balcony telling you something you know it's true but it also like brought in this whole like what is the truth and what can you say without the balcony crumbling? And it was actually a source of fear for Cora, my main character, um, because there was one time she was supposed to make a speech from this balcony. And she's like, is this a lie? Because in Untouchable, the king has told the kingdom that, you know, oh, I'm King Midas, my curse is over, everything's fine. 
but that wasn't entirely true. Like his curse may have been over, but his daughter's was just starting. So it was kind of like, oh, where do you draw that line? And I just, I loved that balcony. It actually played a huge role in the original ending of the book. But my editor was like, I'm just not sure that that enchantment fits with the rest of the magic we have going on in the world. So we did take it out. But Do you feel like you'll use it again in maybe a future story? Maybe. I do love that kind of idea of, you know, like maybe there's a bridge where if you have to answer a question, if you lie, you know, the bridge will crumble beneath you and send you spiraling into the water or something. So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely always keeping things up here in my mind for future use. That's a really cool idea. So I really love the covers of both of your books. Did you get any say or input in either of them? Not really. I mean, for a little bit for a touch of gold. They kind of asked me, like, what's your vision? What are you expecting? I actually told them that I love, love the cover of Kiss of Deception by Mary Pearson. And I was like, basically, I want that. I want a girl with a castle on one side and a, like, high pirate seas boat on the other. And she can just have golden skin and we're done. Just copy that. And then they didn't, which was fine because they gave me this beautiful <laughs> hand of gold so so they asked my input they didn't really take it which was fine because they know what they're doing and then for tiger queen it's actually kind of a funny story it was originally titled the lady and the tiger so the short story is the lady or the tiger and i wanted to do a fun play off of that and off of kind of what happens in the story so i wanted to do the lady and the tiger and that was the original title and then one day it just popped up in my email box hey here's the new cover of your book and it was the beautiful cover that you see with tiger queen as the title so sometimes they don't really ask they just make changes but i think it was a good change i think it's a great title um and i love the cover so even though they didn't ask me any sort of direction they hit it out of the park in in tiger queen i love that in the in the Coliseum kind of thing she people have to choose one door or the other door which is going off of that uh, the lady or the tiger if you were stuck in that situation how would you make a choice on which door to choose I when I was reading I was like oh I don't know how I would make this decision I think it's it would be such a hard decision and the whole thing in the original story is that your guilt would influence you you know if you're guilty you would choose the door with the tiger behind it and if you're not guilty you would choose the door with the prize and maybe it's time a good time here to kind of pause and i'll just give you a quick recap of that story for anyone who hasn't read it because it's like a 30 second story basically it's about a semi-barbaric king that's what they call him in the myth a semi-barbaric king whose you know beautiful daughter falls in love with a peasant and the king's like well that's not allowed So the king puts the peasant in the arena to face this sort of justice, uh, where behind one door is the tiger and behind the other is a beautiful lady who he gets to marry if he picks that door. Well, the princess finds out that that beautiful lady is her biggest rival, the one she hates most in the world and she would never want to be happy. And so she's like, oh, which one do I choose? Because in the arena, her her lover looks up to her and he's like, "Which, which door should I pick? You know, you know what's behind each one. And so she picks a story or picks a door, the door opens and the story ends. So that is the infamous cliffhanger. You never find out what she chose, which always bothered me. So that is kind of that situation. And supposedly your guilt would, you know, make you pick a certain door. But I think I would honestly just go with the door on the right because I'm right handed and like I just would want to like, I don't know, go that way. So <laughs> I, no real rhyme or reason. Just just seems right. Huh. Get that? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I found, like, the desert setting, like, so cool and fascinating in Tiger Queen. Did you have to do a lot of research on, like, the desert or anything like that? And if so, did you, like, find any interesting facts? (laughs) So, this is going to sound really strange, but the desert is actually, actually, I wrote a vast majority of this book while I was in Antarctica. Yeah, I know, that's... (laughs) 
sounds quite strange, I'm sure. Well, Antarctica, most people don't even realize this, is one of the biggest deserts in the world because it's so dry. It's considered a desert. And so what I kind of did in my mind was basically, you know, you would go out in these just freezing temperatures and the the snow would just, and the ice would just kind of be whipping against your face. And I realized that that's like the sand. So all I did was replace that with sand and basically use that same example. As cold as I was, that's how hot they were. And so it was kind of just this really interesting flip kind of doing it that way. But I've also spent time, you know, in different sort of actual deserts. So I did do a lot of research into what creatures are there and different things like that. Uh, And I worked with a sensitivity reader as well, just to make sure that it wasn't going to be harmful in any way, since it is a desert setting. And I want to make sure that, you know, it, it, plays out well and doesn't come across as offensive or stereotypical in any sort of way. So I really did work to make it a fantastical place as well. So there are a lot of creatures that make appearances in this desert that do not exist. There are things that almost exist, but don't, like a grieving spider. That was one, I love the name that I came up with that one because it's called a grieving spider because if you get bitten, you're basically going to die and people will be grieving. So things like that, that were just really fun to create that were like, oh, you know, there are gonna be poisonous spiders different places, but it's just taking those elements and taking them to the next level. Yeah, I'm pretty happy that none of those creatures actually exist. (laughs) I would not want to run across any of them. What were you doing in Antarctica? (laughs) Just visiting, which sounds so weird. I love to travel. I've been to every single continent. I think I've been to over like 60 countries. So yeah, it's definitely been a very great blessing in my life. But I think as a fantasy writer, one of the things I love to do is to travel, to see new landscapes and to be inspired by them. You know, to see like... How does how do the mountains meet the forest? How do the mountains meet the plains? Like, what does that landscape look like? Who lives there? What do they value? What do they farm? All that kind of stuff, I think, has to play a role in how you build your eventual, you know, societies and civilizations in your own book. So even though it's maybe based in reality, it's not reality in that sort of way. So I do, I do like going to all these places and just seeing them and experiencing them. And again, you can take Antarctica and turn it into a desert just by flipping it, you know, on its head and saying, oh, I'm so cold and I can't move and turn that into being, I'm so hot and I can't move. In the Tiger Queen, which character do you relate to the most? It's actually not Kateri, who is the main character. She is, you know, a sword-wielding warrior who will take down anyone who presents themselves as a challenge. Like, she thinks she's always right because that's how she's been raised, is that royalty is always right. And that's not really me. So that was kind of a, a different aspect. I actually think if I had to pick any character, it would be... Dimmick. It's a little boy named Dimmick, and he is actually what they call a desert boy, and he is a boy who steals water. But he's really fun. He's fast with a joke, and that's what I would like to imagine that I am. So I li- I love him. He's just such a fun character. <laughs> was, and I love your story arc for your main character, the fact that she is at the beginning, she knows everything, <laughs> you know, or she feels she knows everything, and watching her grow as the story progressed was wonderful. Yeah, thank you. And I think that's that's what I love actually about the two books together. You know, Kateri and Tiger Queen is such a hard character, such a fierce warrior, and she, you know, will fight anyone. But then she kind of softens as it goes on. Whereas Korra in A Touch of Gold is a much softer character from the beginning. I mean, she has golden skin. She basically gets bullied in her own palace because people have all these rumors about her, like, oh, if you stare into her eyes, you will turn to gold, or she leaves golden footprints, or things like that. So she's a much more timid character, and she has to learn to be strong and learn to like leave her sheltered palace and go out into the world 
which I do love because then she kind of learns that this thing that she thought was her greatest weakness might actually be her strength. And that's a lesson that I hope all young people take to heart because I feel like we all have something about us that we don't like or we think is wrong or is a flaw. And it doesn't always turn out that way. Or maybe it seems that way when you're younger, but then when you're an adult, really that's what makes you unique and special. What has been the most surprising aspect of being a published author? <laughs> like this is the first thing that came to my mind so I'm just gonna share it but like I get to meet so many famous cool authors I'm such a fangirl that I'm like you know like, I was at book expo the other day in the green room and in walks Holly Black and Lee Bardugo and it's just like us three hanging in the green room and I'm just like I'm like in my head I'm like I'm not famous enough for this like I should probably leave I don't think I belong here <laughs> like so like, I think just the best part is like getting to meet these people that I have loved. You know, I got to meet Meg Cabot the other day, who is just like, love her. I have loved her since being a child when I read The Princess Diaries. So for me, that's like, that's not even like something that like I get to do. Like I'm a, you know, get to be an author. It's like all the people I get to meet who I'm like, I love your book. So if you see me, I'm probably like in line fangirling with you. Like I'm not going to be like behind the table signing books. I'm just going to be like, let's go meet that cool author. Did I ever tell you my Furyborn story? Were you there? It was that year at Book Expo. I don't know if you did. Tell. I want to hear this. Okay. Okay. This is like the weirdest thing that has ever happened. Like, you asked like the best thing that's ever happened to me as an author. This is probably the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me as an author. Maybe it may have been like the start of BookCon or Book Expo. And I was waiting in line. I was like second in line to see Claire Legrand, who I'd met before. And so there's one person in front of me. It was a... It was a young woman, maybe 16 to 20, somewhere in there. And she was eating nerds, like the candy nerds. And when Claire Legrand showed up and she went to go and talk to her, she ate some nerds and just must have inhaled. So she went, <gasps> and she legitimately started choking. Like she could not breathe. And thankfully my, I, so I work, I work at Wiley Publishing who does like the dummies book, like computers for dummies, raising dogs for dummies, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm on their safety team, which means I get trained every two years in like Heinlich and CPR and all that good stuff. And so I was like, this is on me. Like, I'm on a book event where no one here is like a doctor or knows anything because we're all like book con people who just love to read. So she's choking. So I start pounding her on the back, you know, as clearly Rand is like standing there with Fury Born and we're all like, what are we doing? And she, that's not helping. Like, it does not help that I'm pounding her on her back. So I actually just start doing like, I did like the hind leg like once and she coughed it up and I was like, oh. so she's like, every time someone mentions like clearly Grand or Fury Born, I like flashback to this moment in mind of like, so I, I thought maybe you were there because it did, it happened at Book Expo and there were a lot of, no, I guess they were YouTubers. There were a lot of YouTubers around, but I can't remember who they were. I, yeah, I didn't actually meet Claire. I think her line was like too long and I, I yeah, I don't think I actually waited in that line. So I wasn't there, but oh wow, you like saved someone's life, Annie. That's a goal. <laughs> you should write a book on that. I write books. Save lives, you know. Yes, that is so awesome. That is like such a cool story. What are you currently reading? Oh, I am just getting ready to start. Um, is it a Sorcery of Thorns? Yes. That one. I've heard so many good things, so I'm just getting ready to start that one. And I'm super excited. I mean, I'm just sad though because I have such little time to read because I end up having to read my own books like you know, 12 different times, or, you know, if I get to blurb someone's book, that's also really cool. Um, but definitely looking, looking forward to a sorcery of thorns. We actually just interviewed Margaret and she's so awesome. Such a sweet, oh, I love her. <laughs> anyway, I really love that you write retellings. Do you have any other 
retellings you want to do or like stories that you would love to retell or have someone else retell? I don't know. What are some of your favorite fairy tales? I mean, I think my favorite fairy tale is Beauty and the Beast, but I've never actually written a retelling for that. And as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I've written a lot of books already that are like ready to go. And a lot of them are retellings. I'm not going to tell you which ones because you, in the publishing industry, you never know what's going to get picked up and what's not. So I don't want to get anyone's hopes up, but there are a lot in there and they're super amazing. Some really common ones, some not so common ones, some that I've kind of made up a little bit based on other things. But yeah, I would definitely say Beauty and the Beast is my favorite, and I just don't know if I could ever retell it for that reason. Or I, I miss maybe I've never found a retelling, a way to retell it that's so different from all the other retellings out there. Like you know, I just read Bridget Kimmerer's uh, Curse of Dark and Lonely, and loved that one. And I was like, yes, this is how you do a retelling. So I want to make it you know as different as that is from the original, but it would just take some time for me to like separate out my feelings of love and adoration for the original before I did that. That makes sense. I I think that that's kind of one of the things with retellings is it's kind of hard to make it unique and original, you know, and I think you do a great job with it, but I know that that, I think for me, that would be really hard. And like, I know as a reader, I'm always like, so where is this going to go in? You know, like, how does it tie into the original? And I think everyone does that comparison. This is one of the hardest parts actually about writing the retelling of, you know, The Lady or the Tiger, because half of me was shouting, don't give it an ending, like be true to it. And the other half of me was shouting, no, no, you've right, you're only writing this to give it an ending. So I, as I have already spoiled it, it does have an ending, which is fine because you find out which door she picks and maybe it's not what you're expecting, but I love it because it's the perfect ending in my humble opinion. So, so if you want to figure out which door she picks, you just have to read Tiger Queen now. do you want to do a quick fire questions so first thing like first thing that comes to your mind favorite food pizza a dream vacation (laughs) oh that's really actually okay like i can't quick fire that one because like i said i've been to like 60 countries you've been everywhere so (laughs) it's this um but one of my absolute favorite places to go is turks and caicos so the beach there is amazing and that is like an actual vacation for me it's not like a trip where i'm like you know out there trying to get like deep in like different locations it's like easy relaxing so turks and caicos favorite genre to read oh YA fantasy it's like all i read hogwarts house gryffindor (laughs) that's me (laughs) and if you watch tv what's your favorite tv show Ooh, like Project Runway. Oh, Twilight Zone is like my favorite of all time. So I know it's like an old one, but I also love Project Runway, America's Next Top Model, and anything like on HGTV. Oh, yeah, me my, too. Apparently, like a thing you do in your 30s is like watch HGTV. Apparently, yeah, because I will just turn it on and just continuously watch it. Yes. I also love Law and Order, too. Maybe that's because like I have a big family and like my dad was an attorney. Both my brothers are attorneys, though. Also, I have jury duty on Monday, so I'm, you know, just brushing up for that, you know, just in case. Oh, I've actually <laughs> never had to like go in. I just there was one time I had to keep calling in to like yeah. see if it was going to go. I'm like this. And then I remember the last time I actually forgot to call in and I was freaking out because I'm like, oh, my gosh, am I going to get arrested because I forgot to call in? <laughs> Because it kept going, and I and I, you know, I have kids. I I have a life. I don't. I didn't remember. Luckily, though, I called in later, and it got canceled. Like the the whatever the trial got canceled. So I was like, oh good, I'm not going to get arrested for not showing up to jury duty. <laughs> I served like one my, time. You actually served on a jury. I did. It was actually really, really, really interesting, and I felt like I was in a TV show in certain ways, and I I thought it was really interesting. 
So I kind of enjoyed it, to be honest. I, not that I want to do it over and over or anything, but as a something to kind of check off your life. Like, I got to serve on a jury. Like, that was interesting. I think that would be so cool. But my brother, who I just mentioned is an attorney, is a prosecutor at the very court where I would be called. So I'm like, they're not going to pick me because I, like, know all the prosecutors. So right. <laughs> like, I have to come. And they're like, yes, you still have to come. And I'm like, oh. all right. So, You're like, I'm just going to get dismissed. So, like, like, it's not even possible for you to be on the jury. <laughs> I'm going to log in and, like, it'll, my log in will be my brother prosecuting. And I'll be like, hey, Michael, what's up? And they're like, <laughs> you can go. Like, Hang out, actually, back here. Watch. I'm just going to watch now. going to watch. <laughs> is there going to be a pre-order incentive for Tiger Queen? There is, yes. And you can actually find it right now on my blog or on my Instagram. And I'm sure I'll be putting it out there many more times. But if you pre order it before September 10th, you get um, an enamel pin, which looks amazing in person, like the tiger eyes on it. So cool. Uh, you also get a signed book plate, you get a digital poster, and you get a guide to the creatures of the desert. So all those little creatures that you meet, this goes way more in depth. You can see, you know, do people catch them and fry them and eat them? Do people use them to cure different ailments? Things like that. Do they use them to make dye? Like all this kind of stuff that really goes in depth into what you can do with all these creatures. So that was a lot of fun to, to write. So you get all of those things if you pre-order. Um, and all you can do is pre-order, send your name, your mailing address, your purchase to tigerqueenbook at gmail.com. And cool. we will send you all those wonderful things. Thank you so much for joining us, Annie. This is so fun. I'm so glad I got to, I feel like I meet, I've met you now, like doing Skype. I, I feel like I've met you. <laughs> well, Liz, I'm so excited that you guys did me. You created this amazing vendor. I, I can you not like, I love your tours. I love them. Like they are amazing. So thank you for what you guys do because- oh. You help authors more than you know and thank you so much it was so nice i had so much fun thank you guys tiger queen comes out september 10th so be sure to add it to your tbr request at your library or pre-order you can follow our storygram tour starting this sunday july 7th on, on my account my friends are fiction if you have any questions or comments you can head over to storygramtalk.com there's a form you can fill out and hit us up if you have any suggestions on podcasts you want us to do or anything else you want to talk to us about. Just let us know.